Hello, you're listening to Track by Track, the Trash Music Podcast, with me, Dan Bull, editor of Trash, which you can find at movetotrash.co.uk, and me, Will Warren, music enthusiast and contributor to Trash. And here we are, one week into 2019. Will, how are you finding this year? I'm struggling. Oh, Christ. I think it's just that post... We had so much fun over Christmas and New Year, and now the harsh realities of January are starting to set in. We're a bit more skint than we were this time last month. Payday feels a long way away. But we're here to bring you a bit of warmth and a bit of delight through the tough, dark times of January. We are, and on the turntable this week, we've got a real classic album, Parallel Lines by Blondie. So Blondie, uh, a huge American rock band, founded by Debbie Harry and Chris Stein, and... I just I can I can't begin to talk about how many songs by Blondie that I love I still enjoy. Yeah, their legacy is huge, and not only that, they're still together now. They're still touring. They're still recording. Last year's Pollinator album is one of my favorites of theirs of all time, and some of the songs from the album. Well, it's not even last year now. Actually, it's two thousand seventeen. Oh goodness me. <laughs> Where does the time go? Yeah, I thought Pollinator was fantastic. I think some of the tracks from other recent albums have been fantastic. But that doesn't mean that the six albums from their first few years together aren't absolute classics with some real treats in there. And Debbie Harry, what a legend. Just an iconic front woman, isn't she? Yeah. And the fact that they're still going, she's still up there. Yeah. In her 70s now. She's even older than my mum. It's, yeah, she's not far off, actually, my grandma's age. She's got the mindset, I think, of someone half her age, but not in a not in a cheap way. It's just, that she is her demeanor. She does it very classily, very well. Yeah. Uh, Parallel Lines was Blondie's third album, uh, released in uh, September 1978, and produced by Mike Chapman. It was probably the, uh, the breakthrough point for the, for the band, for for many reasons. Well, for the reasons being, the songs that were on the album were fantastic, and yeah. still are iconic today. Definitely, yeah. Certainly, I would say their most well-known album, their most heralded album, and there are six singles that were taken from this twelve-track album, each of which is a legendary track in its own right, which is you know is monumental. There's not a lot of albums you can say that about. Certainly nowadays, Clean Bandit's second album aside, not many albums you can say that about. <laughs> I love the link with the old, with the very, very new. And the reason we're celebrating it this week is because one of the tracks that we're going to hit on later, probably the most iconic song from the album, turns 40, uh, or just very recently was released 40 years ago. And because of its uh, point in the running order of the album, you're going to have to wait for it. Should we dive in to track number one? That's a great idea. I'm in the bumble, just the one across the hall. If you don't answer, I'll just bring it off the wall. I know he's there, but I just try to crawl.
Now, many listeners might be surprised to know that that was actually a cover version. Was it really? It was. A very short-lived band called The Nerves wrote that and released it just a couple of years before Blondie did, uh, with very little chart success, I have to say. Now, I think it's one of those covers that's become more more linked to Blondie. And I think it's something that's been covered again and again since then. Yeah, and even those acts who have covered it since, I think, would probably say that they've covered Blondie rather than they've covered The Nerves. Oh, yeah, they wouldn't refer to The Nerves. It's a really powerful, bite-sized song. It's only 2 minutes 17 long. It's the, the more punk, jagged side of Blondie. But what a fantastic... It's a, it's a great punchy way to start the album. Yes, isn't it? exactly, yeah. But the thing is, as songwriters, of course, Blondie are legends at putting pen to paper. And I think, if you don't mind, if we just skip ahead straight away to track two, we've got one that they've written themselves. Well, when I say they, I mean Debbie Harry and Nigel Harrison. I don't mind at all because it's a fantastic song. It's timeless, isn't it? It's timeless. It's quite chaotic as well. Is one way I'd use one word I'd use to describe it. One word or another. <laughs> <laughs> Particularly that last minute when it kind of goes a little bit off kilter, and the the rhythm changes a little bit, and there's these sirens going on, and Debbie's growl is getting a little bit stronger. But yeah, fantastic song. There was growler. Debbie's growler. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this is a song that's been, it's timeless, and also it's been heavily featured in popular culture over the years. And if you just look back to, you know, just the fact that it's been featured in Sabrina the Teenage Witch, Veronica Mars, The Black Eyed Peas, One Direction, have also had hands in it. I remember, a very British reference, but I remember it was the lead, the theme song to the Channel 4 lesbian drama series Sugar Rush, set in Brighton. I don't know if you ever saw that. I've not seen it, to be honest. I'm not, I don't think I've even heard of it. It's worth a dip into. Um, just ran for a couple of seasons, but it was uh, it was good fun, based on the books by uh, Judy Birchall. And also it was featured in Coyote Ugly. Well, I think we all remember that film for Leanne Rhymes, Can't Fight the Moonlight. Yeah. Sophie Ellis-Bexter also recorded a version for mm. the soundtrack of The Guru. The Guru with Mike Myers? Yes. Hmm. Haven't seen it and I don't have any intention to, but I will hunt out that cover version. So this song, one way or another, was co-written by Blondie member Nigel Harrison. It's interesting because we mentioned before that Blondie are still very much a band, a live band. I didn't see them for the first time until 2017, which absolutely blew me away. It was a moment I've been waiting for for a lot of years. It was fantastic, but only... Three of the members are from the initial band, whereas on the front cover of this album you see uh, six members who, the majority of which stayed there for the version one of Blondie, if you like. One of those members was Nigel Harrison, um, who co-wrote this song. There was a very awkward moment in 2006, so Blondie were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. When the band were inducted, 
it was the original members who were invited because obviously they played the biggest part in the band's history. And it was quite an awkward moment because the band were performing live afterwards, but it wasn't the original members that were performing live, it was the new version of the band. And Nigel Harrison, the co-writer of this song, live on stage said to Debbie and the other members of Blondie, current, oh, can we can we perform with you? We want to go on stage with you. And there was a very, it's a very awkward moment, which you can find on YouTube, actually. I love um, an awkward moment on YouTube. Well, doesn't. Track uh, three now, yes, shall we? I've gone about that one. Let's talk about... Picture this. So picture this there and another real bite-sized number that I think we're going to see quite a few of on this album. This one comes in at 2 minutes 56. Um, and I have to say this is actually my favourite track on the album so far, but also one of my favourite Blondie tracks ever, actually. Well, and what makes it one of your favourite tracks ever? I love the energy of it, but also I love how a lot of the elements that make up other Blondie songs are allowed to shine on this one. So for... One way or another, for example, it's more about the guitars and the rocky side of the band. For this, I think you get a lot of the guitars, but also there's the kind of some synthy elements in there as well. And I really love the, uh, the the vocals by Debbie Harry during the chorus. It's kind of um, it meanders and goes all over the place. It's very dramatic, and it's, it's great to hear live actually. It's a great track, isn't it? I love how much there is going on in that. But I think for me, the thing that really carries me through most Bronny tracks is Debs's vocals. Yeah. And the thing is, there's a lot of... I have heard some criticism about her vocals nowadays because it isn't as strong as it was back in 1978 when this single was released. But for goodness sake, she's a lady in her 70s. Of course, they're not going to be the exact same... She's had a fantastic life. She's smoked, she's drunk, she's shouted at people. Yes, things I wouldn't even dare to dream about to mention on this podcast. But for me, it's not about her vocal ability when I've seen her live. It's about the energy and the passion that she gives to the performance, uh, which is what made, as mentioned earlier, that roundhouse date when I first saw her. Was it pitch perfect? No, but was it a perfect gig? Absolutely. Should we move on to track number four? Yes. So a little bit of a different change in tempo with this one. And something that I would love for you to do, Will. Fade away and radiate. (laughs) Ooh, baby, I hear how you spend night time Wrapped like candy in a blue-blue neon glow Fade away and radiate Fade away Radiate So that was Fade Away and Radiate and things have slowed down a little bit. It's a longer track as well, isn't it? Yes, and not only that, a very different feel to the song. It's almost, to me, it feels a little bit like um, B-movie sci-fi 
kind of thing yes, going through it. Yes, that's exactly what it feels like. Yeah. Which, interestingly, it is the B-side to Picture This. So it's kind of that that common theme that runs with B-movies and B-sides. It's a good change of pace at this point, after three bangers Yeah. to slow things down a little bit. Because while it does slow it down, it, it's still very dramatic. Uh, this is a song written by purely by Chris Stein, the long-time guitarist and founding member of the band. For me, he's very much a Nick Rhodes of Duran Duran character in the fact that he's like you know, the controller. I, thought, I was thinking about Nick Knowles for a minute. <laughs> from DOI, SOS, and last year's I'm a Celebrity. Well, didn't he go on to release a single? So perhaps there is... He did do it. I think he did an album a couple of years ago. Oh, did he? Yeah. So perhaps him and Chris could get together for for something. I don't Sweet know what. music. Well, yes. Why ever not? Fade Away and Radiator, perhaps, for DIOSOS. <laughs> Very good. Thank Very you, good. thank you. Yes. It's time for track five next, which is uh, Pretty Baby. Pretty Baby. I heard a little bit of sort of <clears throat> doo-wop almost in that song. It's a little bit more a hark back to maybe the 60s and the 50s and that kind of rock and roll sound. It does feel a little bit more retro, doesn't it? Mm. I can almost imagine my grandma having a bit of a dance to that song. And she, I don't think she's particularly a big Blondie fan. Um, I don't think there's any malice intended towards Debbie. You know, they're a similar age and they're living very different lives. I'm sure in 1978, you know, my grandma was... Uh, working very hard, raising four children. She had a farm to look after and the pigs, but I'm sure there's no bitterness there. I just don't think she's a fan of Blondie's music. And that's okay. And that's fine, but me, I'm a fan. I really enjoy that track. I think it's... I'm not, I don't want to use the word quintessential, but it really does feel like a great, just a good, solid Blondie album track. Song. Yeah. The, yeah, as we said before, six singles from this album. This wasn't one of them, but it's still a strong song. It's... It's Mike Chapman who produced this album, as we mentioned before, and I've read in the research for this podcast, I've read a few reports about how he had a very sort of more of an organic style rather than a very prescribed one. And I think this track is, this is the sort of track where it allows that to come to fruition and just allow Blondie to flourish almost as as the band they are. And I have to say, I particularly love Vocal-wise, later on, some of the vocals from Debbie Harry, she really pushes her voice. She really soars towards the end. And I think, uh, although I mentioned before, it's not the same anymore. Back then, when this album came out, this was one of the most recognisable voices out there, wouldn't you say? Mm. She's got a very distinctive voice, but I also love it when you're right when she hits those high soaring notes. Yeah, and gets right up there. Track six now. Track six and the last one from side one. I know, but I don't know.
know I quite like this song, but I don't know why. It's definitely not one of my favourite ones on this album. Yeah, I do hear what you mean. This was the only song written by uh, band member Frank Infant. I hope I'm saying his name right. Infant? Frank Infante. 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 Frank, if you're listening... We're so sorry. And also let us know at Move to Trash UK. He only wrote a handful of songs during his time for the band. I think his certain style definitely shines through on this one. It's quite a different track to the rest of the album. Also, uh, after Blondie disbanded in the early 80s, he went on to, a little bit later, work with New York Dolls, a much punkier band, and I think maybe that's where his heart lied? Led. Lay? His heart led. Hmm. That's where his heart led. Him to go. No? Called him to go to. (laughs) (laughs) This song's quite different as well because of the prominent male vocals, which... Is not at all the norm for, for Blondie. No. And, in fact, I know somebody who thinks that Blondie... Is the name of Debbie Harry. Oh, that's the worst thing. That really is the worst thing. Who is that? I can't say. Is it Mrs. Warren? No, I can't say. But what I can say is how fantastic the album artwork is. And And I genuinely mean... It's iconic, actually. It's not often we say that. It's... um, You've got the black and white parallel lines running vertically down and you've got... Debbie in the front in a white dress and the boys, the five boys in the back in uh, black suits with white shirts and black ties and uh, with a red blondie logo and parallel lines running across the top. And it is iconic, isn't it? It is. Yeah, the way you've got the front woman there, blondie, in her white dress. She's not called blondie. Oh, God, no. Yeah, it was... What's she called? Debbie Harry. Debbie Harry, yeah. (laughs) I'm joking, of course. Uh, It is iconic, but I think it is time now to flip the record and pop on side B, and the opening track is 'er number there yes uh, with a wonderful electric piano or keyboard if you will <laughs> <laughs> yes that one was written by Jimmy Destry who was with the band for uh, the entirety of their first few years together and then for the first part of the reunion with the albums no exit and the curse of Blondie he was uh, supposedly staying as a member of the band, but a non-touring member of the band after that. But then relationships fizzled, unfortunately. But one thing I have to mention about Jimmy is that he is responsible for the track Maria as well. Well, so a lot to thank him for. I think I was doing some reading up prior to recording, and there was a fair bit of animosity amongst the group. Certainly, yeah. In fact, one thing I, I we got chatting earlier. You know, one thing I forgot to say about 
Frank Infant was that he wasn't even asked to come back for the reunion and he actually tried to sue the group while he was with them beforehand because he didn't have as much involvement as he wanted to in the Auto-American album. So yes, lots of... Not a happy home. Which is which is sad, really, because when you hear a pop group, a rock group that have been great and that have been great over a number of decades, it's always a little bit saddening when you hear that they maybe they didn't necessarily enjoy that period so much. Track eight now, and we're on to Will Anything Happen? Will anything happen? Dan, what are your thoughts on that one? Well, I know that quite interestingly, that song was written by Jack Lee, who wrote Hanging on the Telephone, which was originally recorded by his own band, The Nerves, but this one was actually written for Blondie. So it's nice to see that sort of relationship and that link continue. And I think you can tell with this song, it is certainly a much heavier, punkier affair that doesn't necessarily sound like it was written by any members of the band. I do enjoy the juddiness of it all. I think for me, it's if we hadn't already done it, it'd be a great opportunity to talk about the fantastic album artwork. Such but a shame. I, you know, I get your thoughts around it being a bit more punkier and spunkier, but not not for me. Thank you very much. Well, don't worry because I think this next track, in fact, this next duo brace, of tracks, brace of tracks. I'm going to be right up your street. This one is Sunday Girl. So, Sunday Girl. What a lovely song that one is. Very, another one that I think harks back a little bit to a 50s, 60s rock and roll doo-wop sound. I think probably actually it's Debbie's vocal technique that changes to make that happen, as well as the kind of the drum beat. This was a number one song in the UK, but interestingly not released in their native country of the United States of America. I wonder why that was. Hmm. I've read a few examples of when things like this happen, and it is, I do find it very interesting that these record companies just either they know or they assume that a certain song is right for one territory but not for another. It must be a great job to have. Yeah, and how do they, how do they know? Mm. I don't, I've never really understood that. I think it's, it's a lovely song, one of my favourites on the album. Actually, yeah. Very whimsical. Yes. And uh, the last time I heard this song prior to the Blondie version was there was a cover version that if you heard of Flory. I have heard of Flory. I'm not overly familiar. She was, uh, funny we should mention, she was a singer and drummer for Xenomania. 
fantastic. Who a solo career. And one of the songs, one of her early songs, was a cover of this song. It was also used in a perfume advertising campaign. Well, lovely. Funnily enough, another artist that re-recorded this track was Blondie themselves. So, did you know about the greatest hits deluxe redux yes, album? Yeah. Yes. They took a whole host of their greatest hits and redid them. Some sounding very similar to the original and some um, not a million miles away, but more suited to uh, to Debbie's vocal, but also some of the new members of the band and what they bring into it. Did you listen to the whole thing? Were you, was you a fan of it? Um, it's been a while since I last listened to it, but uh, so nothing jumps out. No, uh, I think it was actually slated by a really? lot of fans. Yeah, they didn't see the need for, for redoing it. I guess a, a cynical view would be that it was for the money. Yes, although it was um, put together with a new studio album released together, so it wasn't on its own that people had to buy it. Interestingly, one thing that I found really fascinating about it was that Maria was included on it, but wasn't re-recorded. It was just the original version. Well, I guess it wasn't that long ago since the original version, as compared to some of the other tracks. True, yeah. And I do just wonder if it's one that perhaps Debbie couldn't re-record. Not to cast aspersions. There's a thought. A thought for another time, perhaps. We're on to track 10 now. And this is the biggie, isn't it? This is the one. It's uh, Heart of Glass. song is still as fresh now as it was back then I just haven't haven't got tired of it no it's yeah it's timeless production Mm, absolutely certainly much more so than some of the rest of the tracks in this album more so than a lot of Blondie's work not to say it's not still great songwriting but it's just I think the overall production of this could have been put together a few years ago I think the stars aligned on this one. It was number one in the UK and the US as well, just to give you an indicator of how successful it was. And it was 255th uh, in the Rolling Stones uh, countdown of the 500 greatest songs of all time. I would have put it higher. Really? I mean, that's done very well, even to get that far, surely. Well, very well, but that song, I think, not only is a fantastic Blondie song. So this is a fantastic piece of work. It's a real game changer for them as well, I think. There's that disco style that's in there that, you know, it's very, very different to some of the punkier things we've heard on this album so far. I love that Debbie said in an interview during the time when this track was released that she was influenced by Giorgio Moroder. I bet you had to say that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a great quote because I think we both love Giorgio Moroder and yeah. disco. And this is so relevant and so visible in this, the influence. Yes. And then he went on to produce Call Me by them. That's, that is, for me, my favourite ever Blondie song. Really? Yeah. Is that because of the Giorgio Moroder thing or is that... No, it's just a great pop song, isn't it? Well, it really is. It'd be lovely if you could 
do that for your further listening. Well, I don't know what the criteria is yet. Uh, it's not. It's not further blondie songs. It's no, problem, isn't it? But before we get there, I've got a couple more songs to go to. So this next one is another cover. It is "I'm Gonna Love You Too." another cover there that one was originally recorded by Buddy Holly and so the story goes the band's record label decided to release this as a track early on because from the previous album a cover did very well and they thought the same thing would happen again but actually this failed to chart whereas the Blondie originals did so that they didn't make that same mistake thrice I should say what are your thoughts on this one Will and also if I'm not mistaken, you're quite a big Buddy Holly fan yourself, aren't you? Is it the glasses? <laughs> <laughs> um, I I enjoy this track. I think it's quite a good knockabout track. Knockabout's a great word to describe it. Again, it's not. It's no heart of glass. It's no call me. It's no you know none of the other big hitters on the album. But I think it's still really good fun. And you know, a lot of people wouldn't know it's a cover. As with, hang on the telephone. As with, the tide is high. The when, tide is high. Yeah. I keep thinking about tracks I've forgotten about. Yeah, any tracks that they have covered, they have made their own. And they weren't. none of them were necessarily huge hits in their own right anyway. So, yeah, people think of them as, as Blondie songs. We're on to the final track of the album. Final track of the album. And just go away. Oh. Well, do we finish the podcast first? No, this song is called Just Go oh, Away. Oh, okay. I have to say, as an album closer, it's not it's not nothing that I would call um, overly dynamic or special, but I do really like the drums at the end. <laughs> that, you know, they close the album perfectly. Maybe we should have just had that five second of drum. Just the final track, a five second track. Yeah, why not? No, I don't hate the song, but there's so many strong contenders on this album. It does a little bit for me pale in comparison yeah it peters out for me mm. and I'd rather have gone out with a bang yeah earlier than with this track in fact you could just take away track number 12 altogether yeah I think you're right actually mm. but let's not end it on a on, on a, a low sour note, note. No, no because absolutely not we've heard some fantastic songs from a, one of our favourite bands and well, it's not the end of the podcast either. We've got some further listening to do. And, Will, what is the criteria for this episode? I think, or I don't think I know, um, we want to do, for this one, Blondie covers. Ah. So what's your favourite cover of a Blondie song? Fantastic. Well, 
Mine is a song that I heard them do quite a while ago as part of... Oh, sorry, Dan, would you like to share your selection? <laughs> I'm so sorry. I thought you just asked me the question what my favourite one <laughs> cover. I thought it was to be answered. Um, yeah, so it's a, it's an act that we both are a big fan of. It's one that we've featured very recently on the podcast. I, w- I won't go on too much. This is Franz Ferdinand covering your favourite song, Call Me. energy there is in that and it's great to hear Franz Ferdinand do a cover of that I think actually that might be the first live version of a song we've ever used in the podcast so far but we set a new a dangerous precedent early in 2019 whatever next however I do think it's a great combination of two of our favourite bands I think the energy is there I think Franz Ferdinand have managed to add their own sort of art rock, jagged sort of... uh, Great attitude. Yeah, absolutely. And that was from a really great album, uh, one of the War Child albums, which was called Heroes, and had lots of acts doing covers by their favourite bands. There's some great calibre on there. You've got Lily Allen, Scissor Sisters, Hot Chip, uh, The Kooks, Rufus Rainwright. The Kooks are doing covering The Kinks. You've got Hot Chip covering Joy Division and also Scissor Sisters doing Roxy Music, which is fantastic. And has just reminded me, actually, that when we talked about Heart of Glass, sorry to rewind, but whenever that song starts, I'm never quite sure if it's Heart of Glass or Same Old Scene by Roxy Music, which is my favourite song of theirs. Will, what's your further listening choice? So, I mean, this is... It's, it's funny the way it's worked out because it feels like we are... The criteria for this further listening is, in fact, um, Blondie covers by artists we've previously featured on the podcast. Okay. So, for me, I'm going to go with a lesser-known cover by Girls Aloud of Hanging on the Telephone. Oh. I had to interrupt and stop this conversation. Your voice across the line gives me a strange sensation. I like to talk when I can show you my affection. So sorry, I got confused because I thought the criteria was a cover of a Blondie song. And as we discovered very early on in the last podcast, um, Hanging on the Telephone was actually by the <laughs> Nerves and covered by Blondie. So I'm not quite sure what's happened here. But largely known and enjoyed as a Blondie song. I'm still not quite sure if that's... Girls Like definitely covered it as a cover of a Blondie song. They did, yes. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm being pernickety. Yes, you're very pernickety. It's certainly a reworking, isn't it? Whereas that, I think that Franz Ferdinand one sounded a little bit more faithful. This does sound like a more modern pop song. When was that released? So that was 
be about 10 years ago. And they've covered a few icons, really, haven't they? Because they did Duran Duran's Girls on Film. They did Our Stand By You by The Pretenders. They did Jump. Teen- Teenage Dirtbag by Wheatus. The Great of the Greats. <laughs> uh, I think for, for the girls, it was a very affectionate cover of someone in a group that they admired a lot. Well, yeah, obviously Blondie, a mainly male band, but when you think of Blondie, as many Strong people... Strong female leads. Yes, exactly, and I think there's many female acts, whether it's Girls Aloud or probably even Spice Girls, but also uh, Karen O from Yeah, Yeah, Yes or Beth Itter from The Gossip. I think, I think Debbie Harry, as well as Blondie as well, but Debbie Harry particularly is a real female empowering icon. If you remember, Tommy Kitten did a cover of The Tidy High. Again, not a Blondie song originally. <laughs> but I think they were covering. Yeah, the that's what they uh, intended. Billy Piper also covered the Tidy High. Yeah, which is actually better, but uh, for another time. No, we're not doing that album. <laughs> Walk of Life, was it? Uh, we're out of time. What a shame. <laughs> so I hope you've enjoyed our our journey through Blondie's uh, parallel lines. If so, please do let us know at Move to Trash UK, hashtag track by track. If not, please keep those thoughts to yourself. Please do subscribe at Apple Podcasts. And a very easy way to search for that is just to search trash track by track, not just track by track. Will, what can you tell us about next week's episode? Uh, Very exciting episode next week, actually. We will be talking about a group who had fame and success through the noughties, a American group who probably had more success in the UK than they did in, in America, with their own very unique brand of pop dance music. So that's just going to be you and I talking about this band, is that right? No, we're going to what? be joined by special guests next you week as well. You are kidding. Uh, from our sister podcast, but... To say any more... To say any more... Would be to give it away. In the meantime, I've been Chris Stein. And I've been Debbie Harry. Goodbye. Goodbye.